Welcome to Jen and Juice. We are two sisters who grew up humbly in the trailer park and in Sunday school, where we weathered the storms of kitchen scissor bangs, purity culture, fundamentalism, culottes, flannel boards, and fellowship hall potlucks. We remain devout to Jesus as we continue to wrestle out our faith with fear and trembling. We hope to provide a safe space to have real, raw conversations about everything and nothing, this and that, the secular and the sacred, you know, the juxtaposition of all things life. We want to use what the Lord has given us. Snark, quick wit, hard-earned wisdom. We promise to show up wobbly on Sundays, strong on other days. We aim to be a refreshing palate cleanse in a world starving for hope and light. We're like therapy you can afford. Because we're free. So welcome to Gin and Juice. We're We're here here to help help a sister and brother out. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Hey, Jen. How are you today? I am fantastic. Yay. The kids are going back to school this week. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I'm equally excited and sad. I know. Me too. Sometimes you're like ready for them to go and then you miss them immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we're in the middle of that somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And we have friends dropping their kids off at college and we're hearing from them. And that does like make my heart so tender. Mm-hmm. So to all you mamas who are dropping kids and you're moving kids into dorms for the first time, or maybe it's even the last time, mm-hmm. like maybe it's the last kid that you're moving out of the house, or maybe it is your baby is there in their last year of college. That's a big weird. deal too. That's weird. Yeah. Or it's your babies in their first year of college. Uh, I don't know. I just, there's a lot. Um, a lot of so transition. To several of you um, named Jen. <laughs> <laughs> several of you with the suffix Jen in your name, you are all going through this at the same time. Mm-hmm. And just know that we are thinking of you and praying for you and and lots more. Um, not just the Jens in our life, but we know lots of you are making these transitions in our hearts are just really honestly with you and we don't mean that in a cliched way mm-hmm. at all <laughs> is it suffix or prefix 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 dang it red pen oh. <laughs> also that's what you took from my soliloquy <laughs> you freaking editor this monologue is brought to you by <laughs> <laughs> jerk face when we were little and we would do something bad <laughs> to our mom, my mom would turn around and this is how Gaga would cuss at us. And she would say, you jerk face. <laughs> do you remember that? Yes. And we would be like, <gasps> so yep. growing up, that was like the worst insult jerk face. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are very tenderhearted for all of those firsts and lasts and all those things. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy time. Yeah, it is. And it's still 1 million degrees. However, here in the Permian Basin, we have a cold front because it's only going to be 92 today, which it won't be on the day you're listening to this, but right. today it is. Burr. I have a blanket on. She does. <laughs> it's my podcast blanket. I'm having a hot flash. I might be in my bra by the time this thing's over. <laughs> this so. is why we can't YouTube it, people. <laughs> Okay, so we are wrapping up the Barbenheimer episode. And so we started last week with our review of the Barbie movie. And so we didn't get to Oppenheimer because we talked too long. Shocker. Um, So today we're going to get into that. But first, we do have some red pen remarks, not necessarily the things we said uh, to correct or anything, but we do have some red pen remarks um, just 
remarks in general from the episode that we wanted to share. So Yes. So just a little update for y'all. Um, the Barbie movie has now uh, reached $1.1 billion. That's insane. In, yeah, in box office ticket sales. And I didn't say this last last week, but the... Um, the the budget for the movie how much did it cost to create it it was a hundred million dollars whoa and they've made so now they've made a 1.1 billion you do the math right (laughs) don't don't let me do the math they made one trillion times that Uh uh-huh so that i just thought that was interesting the 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 box office sales is just it's continuing to rise and many of you uh reached out and said you had not watched it yet and so now you know you you were you were already planning on seeing it and now you're definitely going to go watch it so we definitely want to sorry i just burped into the <laughs> microphone <laughs> you're not a burper so that's weird <laughs> i am not a burper that was weird ew <laughs> excuse me again why we can't youtube these things <laughs> Okay, so one of my little red pen remarks was from my two little bitties. Micah said, I love how you talk about Barbie, but then you also talk about God. And Mei Mei said, well, yes, Micah, because that's what gin and juice is really all about. I love that. I'm like, I just, I love that they know that God is in everything. And even if we're talking about something secular, we're always going to tie it back into a lesson like that God has taught us or showing us or something. And they also like, you know, we watch things that aren't always, um, I don't know, G. Yeah. And so if they see something, they're not afraid to ask questions about it. And they're not afraid to say, hey, you know what? We like this, but we know we're not supposed to say that word, even mm-hmm. if they think that that word is stupid or shut up. Right. <laughs> so, um, like they they see the difference, and they see like I'm going to have to pick things out that are acceptable, and I'm going to have to pick things out that I know that I I shouldn't do or right. whatever. So, right. I love that they're already knowing that and I'm seeing so, that. I'm so grateful because um, I've so want our kids to grow up and not compartmentalize life into this is my work life, this is my home life, this right. is my spiritual life. It is all spirit. Mm-hmm. It is all our spiritual life all the time, no matter what we're talking about. Um, the, the, the one another's apply in all situations. How are we going to respond? How are we going to, what are we going to do about this or that in our families, in our workplaces, in our churches? If we, if we compartmentalize then we're in, I just think that's that's where dangerous territory sets in. Oh, yeah. Because if you're going to church and you put on your church hat and then you go to the soccer field and you put on your soccer hat and they look totally different or at exactly. home, you're a completely different person. That's that's a big problem. It's a big problem. It's a, it's a lack of integrity, mm-hmm. but it's a lack of spiritual maturity mm-hmm. as well. A lack of, lack of the fruit of the spirit being present in your life. And so I... I love that they see that, that like we can talk about these things and talk about the Lord. Yes, always. Mm-hmm. Um, that's beautiful. And I, that's what I hope Emory grows up and sees that we're constantly, it's the Lord's hand in all things. And we are viewing this through like, what is the, the principal, you know, issue that we're, we're talking about here? It's not down with the patriarchy, up with the matriarchy. Mm-hmm. It's how do we have loving uplifting godly flourishing relationships among men and women Mm -hmm. like how do we get there and how do we work on that in our own little neck of the woods 
every day because that's what we're charged with doing. Mm-hmm. We may not be able to fix the whole system, but if we fix our neck of the woods, that's one step in the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the same breath, my littles go get the guitars and they say, Mama, we want to beat you off. And they start singing, <laughs> I want to push you around. Well, I will. <laughs> and that's why some people don't take their third graders to see it. And that's fine. You can make that decision. And that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, you know, I, I was seeing that trend, like a lot of people, you know, are saying that on Instagram, the influencers are like, you know, my third grader or fourth grader is like, mommy, why can't we go see the Barbie movie? And it's like, well, because we're not. And I'm like, good, make yeah. that decision for your family. That's fine. But guess what? We are. Yeah. <laughs> we don't judge you for that. That's right. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, j- yeah, make that decision for your own family. Yeah. We're not we're not telling you to take your insert age child here. Right, like you have to know engage what you guys talk about as a family because some of y'all may have seventh grade daughters that you're like, no, they can't handle this. Right, because we don't talk about things. Mm-hmm. We, we we don't have that kind of relationship in our home. First of all, I would say work on that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But you know, make that decision for your family and and decide what you know. You're going to see, but everyone who saw it is not going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> so in a hand basket. <laughs> okay. So that's my red comment. I also had people um, writing in with their um, favorite scenes from the movies that we didn't talk about with what was the, the um, quote of that Ken said about patriarchy and horses. Did you write that down? <laughs> oh, let me look real quick and see if I, I kept that one up. <laughs> we loved it. <laughs> So Ken is obsessed with horses when he comes to the real world. And then he goes back and he, you know, instills patriarchy in Barbie land. And he has horses everywhere. Okay, this isn't the one, but this was one of my favorite quotes that he said about horses. He said, horses are just men extenders. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that. Well, while you're looking for the quote, I've seen so many people post on socials like, um, what does your kin do? My kin, uh, you know, they like talk about what their husbands do in life, but they kin it. And so uh, we were talking like, well, what what would Jeremy kin be? And we'd be like, uh, he's oil. Mm-hmm. Jeremy is oil. He comes accessorized with um, steel-toed boots and a hard hat. And <laughs> I don't even know, a, a big truck. Right. <laughs> That's so good. He does oil. He does oil. Okay, Okay. so here's the quote. Ken says, he's telling Barbie, like, they're they're coming together at the end of the movie, and they've decided, like, you know, patriarchy is not the way forward, and they want to have a good relationship, and they're saying they're sorry to one another for taking each other for granted, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, to be honest, when I found out patriarchy wasn't about horses, I lost interest. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, so we're going to move into Oppenheimer because this was the same weekend that we saw Barbie. We actually went to back-to-back movies, and we had the best time ever. So much fun. If you have not seen Oppenheimer, there aren't too many spoiler alerts because it's history. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, I don't think that this is one that you need to table until after you see it. Um, because we all, we all know what happens, right? Right. Um, and if you don't, that's a problem. Right. But, um... Anyway, Oppenheimer is based on the book 
American Prometheus, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer. And that was a book by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin. Yes. And um, it was a 2005 biography of the theoretical physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer, which is the leader of the Manhattan Manhattan Project, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And um, the two guys wrote it over a period of 25 years. Whoa, I did not know that part. Yeah, that is some dedication. Yeah, that is. Wow. I mean, that just blew my mind because I'm like, I I sit down and write a book and then I'm like, oh, squirrel, here's another book. Oh, squirrel, here's another thought. So for to stick with something for 25 years, wow. But there would, you think about the extensive research because you had the, all of the, the political uh, components worldwide that mm-hmm. were happening and so to write a book like that for them to understand like the world stage and the dynamic that was happening in politics and in science oh gosh so their research was probably obviously so deep and and they wanted to get it right i'm so glad they did too i am too like it but i could see how like you're writing a very very important piece of um, literature and it's not just about this man's life this is about politicians mm-hmm. and not just politicians in America but across the world yeah. in a war mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is huge like you got to get the parts right and like you said it's blending in the science part oh, with the politics which you know science is not super old like right. the the main um the main parts of science aren't truly that old i mean we think about it and um i'm going to totally uh, throw you <laughs> under the bus juice because we were <laughs> we were in the theater <laughs> And there's oh, one part so embarrassed. where, okay, we'll talk about the cast here in a minute, but um, Oppenheimer, who's played by Killian Murphy, walks over and speaks to Albert Einstein and Jessica goes, he was alive back then? I was like, no, Albert Einstein lived in like the 1500s and Jenny looks at me and she laughs so hard and I'm like, are you serious? Like... Oppenheimer and Einstein lived in the same century blew me away. Yeah, well, and just the fact that both of them, but their brains. Yeah. Like oh. they're they're genius. Yeah. I'm like, oh, we'll get there too. Yes. Man. Okay, so let's go into the cast, which was brilliant. Oh my gosh, y'all. Holy moly, great cast. Okay, so J. Robert Oppenheimer is Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. Killian Murphy starts with a C. Mm-hmm. A lot of people call him Cillian. Mm-hmm. Incorrect. Incorrect. Red pen. It's mm-hmm. Killian. Mm-hmm. And so he is on Peaky Blinders, which, uh, again, you can oh. judge me. It's a good one. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Peaky Blinders, man. The language is terrible. Yeah. It is such a good show. It is. And he slays in that character. Totally. Oh, my gosh. I love Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. What else does he in? Do you have that written down? Okay, so... Jessica's Killi- really good at all this stuff. Yeah, I have so, to actually research it. <laughs> okay, so Killian Murphy has worked with... The director of the movie is Christopher Nolan. Let me give you a little background in Christopher Nolan. Okay. And this will go into like the casting as okay, well. Perfect. Okay, so we'll talk about Christopher Nolan. He is a very famous director. He directed uh, Batman Begins in 2005. Oh. Which Killian Murphy was in. That's right. Okay, so Killian and Christopher have worked together for the last 20 years. Killian has been in six of Christopher Nolan's movies. And let me tell you these movies. Batman Begins, The Prestige oh, yeah. in 06, The Dark Knight, 2008, Inception, 2010, 
The Dark Knight Rises, 2012. Man of Steel, mm-hmm. 2013. That was the um, Superman. Su- Superman. And then Interstellar in 2014. Dang. Those are just like the top grossing ones. And Christopher Nolan is known for non-linear storytelling. So he is going into the present and he'll go into the past. Maybe sometimes he'll go into the future. And so he'll do these different things with filmography to help you the, the as the audience kind of keep up. And with Oppenheimer, he went from uh, black and white film mm-hmm. to color film to help you with the, the the back and forth of the sequencing. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it too. Um, and so, but but he, Christopher Nolan, wanted Killian Murphy. But Killian Murphy has never starred, been the lead in any of Christopher Nolan's movies. But dang, does he steal the screen? <laughs> he does. He's so good. So obviously, these two like working together. Yeah. Because actors who don't like directors don't get hired by directors and directors who don't like actors don't hire seek them, them again, yeah. right? Don't seek them out. So this is very much a relationship that we'll probably see in movies repeated. Well, they work well together. They really do. And all of those movies that we've just described have this very dark nature to them. Mm-hmm. A noir is what they call it in, in film and literature. And so there's this darkness that is around the Oppenheimer film that I think Christopher Nolan can bring to life Mm -hmm. Uh, because he can take a dark um, theme with characters who are problematic. Oh yeah. I mean, Oppenheimer is the anti-hero. Like he's the Mm anti-hero in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And yet you're rooting for him. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he kind of did that with the Joker. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he has this ability to bring this humanity where you can look past the glowing attributes and the blemishes. And you're like, oh, I kind of identify with that mm-hmm. in this person. And when you can do that, it it makes, it draws you into the character versus demonizing the character. Yeah. Or villainizing the characters, right? So... He was perfect. He's the perfect director to take that book that that this movie is based on and bring it to life on the screen. And not make it like in the year 1945. It's not like a boring history film where you're like, you know, it's so, so good. (laughs) It is so good. So, yes. So he he cast Killian Murphy. So Christopher Nolan casts Matt Damon as Leslie Groves, who was... Um, in real life, Leslie Groves was, what did we say his title was, General? Um, he was promoted to Temporary Lieutenant General. Okay. And so over, uh, he was an engineer's officer, and he oversaw the construction of the Pentagon, and he directed the Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. which was the... the, the the a, secret, the secret atomic bomb building project, yeah. and so he's the one who goes after Oppenheimer. He's the one who puts the team together, who starts and seeks out that team, and it's Leslie Groves, and he is so fantastic. And Matt Damon is just—he's just great. He is so good. He's so good. Because um, even when he's being a jerk, you're like, "But it's Matt Damon." I know. I know. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's one of my favorite quotes from the movie. Uh, Matt Damon, Leslie Groves says, what do we call the test? This is after they've built the initial test bomb and they need to, they need to name it right mm-hmm. for all the paperwork. And Oppenheimer says, batter my heart, three personed God. Leslie Groves says, what? Oppenheimer says, Trinity. Mm-hmm. 
So that the test was called Trinity. A which, three oof. God person. Yes. And three head. Mm-hmm. One scene, he just, they kind of deadpan his face at the camera and he's like, Robert, try not to blow up the world. <laughs> you know, like he was, he was the one that brought the, just the brevity to, to the conversation. Cause it could get so high in the, to the political scheme or the scientific uh, language that you could get lost. And then it was like Matt Damon was the stabilizer mm-hmm. in so much of that. So well cast there. Okay. Another of our favorites who was cast was Robert Downey Jr. as Lewis Strauss. That, okay. So we're sitting there watching him and he's kind of in the first few scenes and it's in black and white. And so I'm like, I know that mouth. <laughs> I know that face, but it's black and white. The, the hairline. The hairline. Everything was so um, perfect for the era. So I was like, who is that? And then Jessica's like, that's Robert Daddy Jr. <laughs> I mean, he is perfection in this role. Oh, it was brilliant. Perfection. He's so good. So he's Louis Strauss. Yes. And he's the one that ultimately schemes and manipulates to come up with just a pretend mock trial following the bomb Mm -hmm. years and years later uh, and puts Oppenheimer kind of on blast basically to kind of discredit him and to rebuke and take back his security clearance. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and these are not open hearings. It was, it was a, it was a mock trial just to, just to, character stick it to just him. stick it to mm-hmm. him um from people who weren't in the room yeah right and and felt like he had too much power and clout and now we're gonna... and he had humiliated him before and yes. so he was like i'm getting him back yes it was a payback mm-hmm. so so he plays it so well so well cast okay emily blunt plays kitty oppenheimer mm-hmm. she's fantastic she is so fantastic oh my gosh she is what a what a complicated character man so she is actually a biologist and um in one of the scenes it talks about like her her marriages and she's just like oh yeah i married this guy and then he died and then i married this guy and she just has um she was a woman of wealth she comes from from uh, family money yep. and she knows it she owns it and she's not afraid of it and um she was a widow and then she was like i'm not going to be a widow because i'm too young so she just kept getting married and then she married oppenheimer after she was married mm-hmm. when she met oppenheimer had an affair with oppenheimer and was pregnant so they just sat down with her husband and said you're going to grant her a divorce yeah. and i'm going to marry her mm-hmm. that's literally what happened yeah that blows me away i know yeah. i know and she was a terrible mother oh, oh my goodness and yeah. just like thinking of that time period in her brain and she seemed, and I don't know how she was in real life, but I, I feel like being a biologist, a female biologist in that time period, she was probably very similar to the character they portrayed her as. Probably. And very strong, very opinionated and vocal, and she was not going to be intimidated or um, shamed no. or anything. And probably drank too much yeah that they Mama was a drinker that. yeah, yeah. She definitely had alcohol dependency mm-hmm. but women were here she is this brilliant biologist and she's not invited into any uh, of of this conversation like Mm-mm. on the record of course yeah. off the record you know who are they talking to kitty yeah but on the record no and it's like the women were so forgotten that when they 
hire Oppenheimer when Oppenheimer says yes to this. And he's like, but we're going to build this whole, we have to build a city. If you mm-hmm. want these scientists and their families to come, we got to build a town. Yeah. Cause they're not going to be there for like two months. This is an extended period of time. They don't yes. really know. Right. They're given it, you know, they are given a, a certain time period, but they're like, we're going to have to bring families. Yes. And it's going to be years. Mm-hmm. And so they, they build this place, Los Alamos in New Mexico, because Oppenheimer loves this area and it's perfect for test sites. Right. And covert operations and so they go in and they build all the houses and so he Oppenheimer comes and he brings Kitty his wife and their child and she's walking through the house and she says (laughs) Robert where's the kitchen (laughs) he forgot to build kitchens in the houses (laughs) okay like yeah let me mansplain this house yes And he was like, we'll add one. And I was thinking, yeah, you better get to digging, sir. Because she was like, you got to be kidding me. I love that part of it. Like, really? You forgot it. Like, you men. You brilliant. Yes. Brilliant men. They were building their laboratory. And the houses were an afterthought, right? Yeah. yeah. And she's just disgusted. Like, it's hysterical. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh. So great. And she played it so well. She did. Are kind of our favorite one of our favorite. Okay, tell him, tell him who who's having a renaissance, a comeback. Okay, well, when we first saw his face on screen, I was like, again, who is that guy? But I know I love him, Josh Hartnett. <gasps> oh. oh, Josh Hartnett. We haven't seen him in so long, and I hope that he does come back and stay in the limelight because he is brilliant. Okay, you're gonna die. What? I found a fun fact. What? Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. the director, a- the director went after Josh Hartnett in 2005 for The Dark Knight. He wanted him to play Batman. No. Made it all the way to the end. I mean, Christian Bale is who the part went to. Yeah. But Josh Hartnett was who Christopher Nolan wanted. Why didn't he do it? He turned it down. <gasps> he was offered the part. He turned it down. And he said to this day, that is his biggest obvious regret yeah hindsight's 2020 because <laughs> you lose the whole franchise yeah. i mean it is a multi-billion dollar franchise to date and he turned it down those eyes would have been perfect oh perfect his build his you know yeah he is he's tall tall big like six tall. five i think yeah, yeah. he's super tall he's so handsome now i know man like fine wine that man has aged yes jenny kept saying that in the theater like fine wine <laughs> Maybe it was the wine I was drinking. I don't know, but he was. I don't even think it was that. I think it was just that we got to get out of the house without kids. It was like the first time all summer. And we were like, woo, we're at the movie. And I haven't seen him on screen in forever. So I looked up because I was like, what? Because I kept thinking like, what was he in? But I'm terrible at these things. So he was in Halloween H2O with Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I looked at pictures of him like as he's aged and his eyes are just so beautiful. They're just piercing. He does have beautiful eyes. And they're dark and it's just, I don't know. And then he was in 40 Days and 40 Nights, Black Hawk Down, and my favorite that I totally forgot he was in, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, I know it. Oh, he was so good in that. He was so good. Oh, he was so good. I know. So yeah, but we lost him to... uh, you know, Christian Bale. Yeah, which I do love Christian Bale. He did great. He did fabulous. Yeah, but now knowing that, I'm like, 
Josh, Josh Hartnett, come on. I know. So I do think we're going to see him. If you watch, uh, there's a show on Netflix called The Black Mirror. And in the newest season, each each episode is its own, um, what's it called? Like mini anthology. Okay, is yeah. that what it's called? Is that what we say it is? An anthology? Yes. Okay. And so each episode is like standalone. Mm-hmm. It's own characters, own storyline. And it's kind of reminiscent to me of almost like the old Twilight Zone. Ooh, okay. And especially this newest season, which I really liked this new season. And Josh Harnett plays in one of the episodes. Wow. And it's, y'all, it's very The Black dark. Mirror. I did the see Black that. Mirror. I haven't watched it, but I've seen that on it's the... very dark. Of course it is. I, mean, I loved it. <laughs> Your six is showing. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> Y'all should go find that episode. It's so good. Okay, okay. So then we have the last. Um, well, not the last. There's so there's so many characters in here that are just like like Casey Affleck, Gary Oldman, okay. um, but Florence Pugh. <gasps> yes. She plays Jean Tatlock, and that is the mistress lover of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Yes, and she is his commie girlfriend, mm-hmm. and gets him in a lot of trouble. So um, the whole premise basically is that um, when he's like the whole world is seeing red during this time period. So the politics of it is that, are you a communist and which party do you identify with? And, you know, you've got to be a spy. Mm -hmm. And then so they're accusing Oppenheimer of being a Russian spy Mm -hmm. or at least leaking um, his secrets and his material to Russians. Right. Because there's I didn't really like in life, stop, drop, and roll is not really a thing. Like, how to not be a commie should have been taught more. <laughs> right. Because that, I've heard that more in my life. Right. Than, and I'm like, it's so weird to think that that's what people thought about everybody. Yes. Like your neighbor. Oh, are they a spy? Right. Like, was that really in the forefront of everybody's mind that you are a commie? Right. That, that's so weird to me. Yeah. Except we live in a world with all kinds of conspiracy theorists going around. Like, are you a human trafficker? Are True. you? A, <laughs> are you? A, maybe that's just us. <laughs> yeah, maybe that is. <laughs> but like, I think yes, that was that was in their world, and that was in their face, and that's what they were being dealt with in the media. Yeah. You know, and all the frenzy around what were they propaganda the propaganda, mm-hmm. and so um, and not that anything that we're dealing with is just propaganda, but there's a level of propaganda to all of it. Oh, absolutely. And so that was what was heightened for, for that day and time Mm -hmm. was, are you a commie? So they wanted the United States wanted to use these brilliant brains to create this, um, end ending all wars weapon, but also keeping you chained up because we think you're a communist. That's right. So we'll use you to the extent that we need you. And then we're going to ruin you. Yes. And it's kind of that theme of uh, get what you want and um, hold you down while I'm getting it. Yes. And also this theme of Oppenheimer himself going, I know that this will help my my country. This will help my people to end this war. But also, this is a terrible invention. Yes. Like, this is the end of the world. Yes. And I'm doing both. It's both and all the time. around Prometheus was that Prometheus stole fire from the gods and gave it to man. And for this, he was chained to a rock and tortured for eternity. That's actually the opening line to the movie. And so Robert Oppenheimer uh, becomes, you know, hailed in history as the father of the atomic bomb. Mm -hmm. And so 
he is the American Prometheus. And so there's a level that he, he's going to be tortured for eternity yeah. over what he gave to man, mm-hmm. this gift of fire, this gift of of power and, and science and the bomb and all that and fire that was coming forever and ever and ever. It was just going to build and build and build. And so uh, he wrestles that in the movie mm-hmm. um, and, th- and they show it and you see the wrestling in all their, in his relationships um, and, and, and all the scientists around him and, and then the military around him, you just see this wrestling of what are we doing? What are we building? And it's not just going to be for now. Like, what are the implications for our children's generation and the generations after that? But no, don't think about that. Just think about now. Yeah. But what about then? You know, and so there's just this wrestling of how are they going to find that permissive place in their minds to do this thing that's ultimately going to wreak havoc and destruction for all of time yeah. from henceforth and forevermore. And they, yet they do it. They do it. They do it. And he truly becomes Prometheus because not only is he chained to the rock mentally and, and like morally within his own mind, but literally the U S government is like, yeah, we still think you're a commie or yes. at least have ties. And so your clearance is revoked. Yes. So we used you, we got everything we needed now you're chained to this rock for eternity. That's right. Now, shame on you. Yeah. And uh, that was actually last year, they actually pulled that sentence back. And uh, as a posthumous act, they gave him back his clearance, his security clearance. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Just last year in 2022. And I probably would have been like, if he was still alive. Yeah, I'm a commie. Right. <laughs> Now I am. You made me one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about <laughs> yeah losing your American value when it's stripped from you because you get sold out as a spy and you're not one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The film budget was $100 million. Okay. And to date, the movie has made $650 million at the global box office. Wow. And there was rumors that the movie had been banned in Japan mm-hmm. because obviously this is where the bombs were dropped. Um, but it wasn't banned in Japan. However, there have been no release dates in Japan. Oh, <laughs> so it's a withholding. Yes. <laughs> There's so, a difference between it, a ban and a withholding. <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. It's the fine print. <laughs> yes. Oppenheimer remains the sixth biggest Hollywood release of the year uh, behind Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. It made $684 million. Whoa. I know. Fast X. Fast X. Like, Fast and the Furious iteration 10. Why? Just Because of people like Brad Phillips. (laughs) Did he see it? Maybe he snuck off and saw it. I don't know. Will he ever tell us the truth? No. Did he pretend his car was a standard and (laughs) Put it into fifth gear and blow this taco stand <laughs> with some Phil Collins playing beams. <laughs> oh, Brad. Oh, yes, probably. That Vin Diesel called him. Vin Diesel. Okay. Fast X has made $719 million. Shut your mouth. No. I didn't even know it was a thing. I know. $719 million. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 made $846 million. Okay, I can see that. Yep. Barbie, 
1.1 billion. Yeah. And the number one movie for this year, guess what? What? At 1.35. Oh wait, let me guess. Billion. You want me to guess? I want you to guess. I'm so good at this. Okay. I'm not. She's gonna say Dirty Dancing <laughs> from 1989. <laughs> I don't even know what movies have come out I this know. year. Well. Okay, Mario Brothers. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> Super freaking Mario Brothers has grossed $1.35 billion. It's because all these 90s babies like me came out the woodworks to I, see. No, and you could take your kids to yes, see it. Yes, because that's the one movie I've taken my kids yes. to see. Yes. <laughs> I did it. You did it. I do get an Epcot. I know. An EGOT. EGOT. Yes. Revoked. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. But yeah, wow. that, that blew me away. That is insane. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so one fun fact about this um, uh, Manhattan Project that I didn't know. The movie did not talk about it, but it was called One Park, Three Sites. So uh, Los Alamos was only one part of the Manhattan Project. So there were three locations. One was in Hanford, Washington. They made plutonium because you need high levels because science. The other one was Los Alamos, which was the covert lab that built the bombs and tested. And then Oak Ridge, Tennessee, they enriched uranium. Wow. So these three places were working in tandem. and But but Los Alamos is where it was built and tested. And tested. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. I misspoke. Uh, The the quote that says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. That's not the Prometheus quote. Sorry. That quote is taken from the Hindu Hindu sacred text, uh, the Bhagavad Gita. And it's a famous quote that's been closely connected to Oppenheimer because he originally stated these words 20 years after Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. And he said this on an NBC News documentary entitled The Decision to Drop the Bomb. Um, And it was real controversial because this is Hindu sacred text, the uh, Bhagavad Gita is Hindu sacred text. When it is spoken in the film, it is in a sexy scene between Jean Tatlock and Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. And she reads this while... Bumping uglies. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh Uh-huh. And and so, yes. So that some have been mad about that <laughs> well you know what i'm mad about what there was no frontal nudity of <laughs> killian murphy we were promised some frontal nudity and there was none did we get the bible belt version of this movie okay no because we saw some boobies well and there it was a rumor by the way i did deep dive the research on that because we were told like and karis wanted to see this yeah and we were like no yeah we're not to, and karis is a science brain uh-huh. so karis would have loved the history part she would have loved the science um and, and and we're like no we've heard there is a full frontal nudity shot no yeah so jenny's like no baby let me go see it and let's and then i'll see then i'll see it again yeah <laughs> So we go to see it, and I, I'm embracing myself the whole time. Three hours. I'm holding my I'm, pee. I'm nervous. Yeah, Jenny won't even go pee. 
and I'm not going to lie. I did go to the bathroom. When I came back, I said, did I miss it? I, I'm not going to lie. I confess that here. And honestly, more just out of curiosity. Because I was like, how are they going to bring that into like Oppenheimer? Like this, yeah, you know? Yeah, because he's like scrawny and yeah. he's lost a bunch of weight. Killian Murphy did. Yes. So he morphed into this this brilliant scrawny little mind yes and brilliant mind scrawny body right yes <laughs> and so anyway we get through the whole movie and there's not full frontal but there's some boobs yeah and i'm course. just saying okay yeah. if we're gonna normalize that yeah then let the men squirm <laughs> okay let the men have some body shaming going is that what i'm supposed to look like oh well then i'm a better man or i'm a let them squirm because i'm tired of seeing boobs <laughs> Let's just say no nudity in movies. No nudity. Thank you. No, thank you. I don't want to watch it. It, it, it but grosses Jeremy me goes, out. Babe, is that the reason you went to see the movie? And I was like, no. And he goes, I think it was. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, I'm up for a challenge. Like if I'm hearing these rumors, I've got to do research recon for my little 16-year-old to go see this movie. I know. I know. Well, and... And in, to that end, the, we're tired of seeing boobies on the screen. Uh, there's a, a scene where Florence Pugh is sitting in a chair, like, post-coital. And <laughs> Oppenheimer is sitting across from her naked in a chair. Of course, his legs are crossed. Like, you can't see anything of yeah. him other than just, like, chest, yeah. you know? And But you see her breasts exposed. And uh, in, and I believe it, it was in India that they had to drop in a CGI black like lingerie dress over her body. Uh, so they really did blocked out the nudity in, wow. in, in India. I mean, there and was no need for it. There was no, no it did not, it did not uh-uh. in, like improve the storyline or no. anything. Like you knew they were having an affair. Right. So that those two scenes were pointless because if you're going to show the boobies, you got to show the mister is all I'm saying. Exactly. And you could have had her sitting there in a negligee, something yeah. like that, that yeah. covered, and they're sitting across from it. You would have known what was going on. Yes. I mean, it did not add. It was just awkward. He's smoking a Virginia Slim. We know. Yeah. And I'm like, who who's sitting naked across the room from each other, just like talking? Commies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, in my experience as a, as a married woman, that's just not how, you know, things go. Yeah. That's weird. That's so weird. It was so weird. I was like is the point mm-hmm. i know i don't get it you no know? nudity in movies no just ban the nudity gross <sighs> so but there yeah. is no full frontal male or female but there are female boobs yeah so that sucks <laughs> <laughs> I just, we'll let you figure out what part sucks <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh gosh uh, okay so i feel like the major themes were um like there's a fine line between genius and insane Mm. um yes because you see all of these minds that are absolutely brilliant and the the way that they portray oppenheimer like not being able to sleep not being able to um think in a room like he can't just like have a social conversation and be like hey man you know like hey what's going on he's not capable of small talk zero yeah and so He's having dreams of like these particles colliding and the way that they make his mind. And and I feel like that's, it's almost like you're insane. Mm -hmm. Like you're seeing spots, you're seeing this, you're seeing these visions. And I'm like, but also he was Jewish. And I love the fact Mm -hmm. that God gave him those visions. Yeah. And he gave his mind in particular those um, dreams, those visions, like for him to go, oh, here's some numbers and letters and here's a formula. And oh, yeah, I'm going to save 
America. Right. Save the world. Right. So it's like, I love the fact that God gave him those visions. Yeah, that's very cool. I hadn't mm-hmm. even thought about that. That's so true. And then um, the the guilt mm. and the also the, like kind of like we talked about between, you know, you're helping your, your people, you're helping your country, you're doing this because you have this vision, but also knowing it's just it's it could be the end of the world because right. once you write these things down people are going to be seeking them out yes right. there's going to be spies yes there's going to be duplicates yes there's going to be even something worse coming and, and you're wh- starting it yeah and when they were building it they were saying these other countries russia being the main one mm-hmm. they're not far behind us in their building process right and the minute we gain access to some of this knowledge and we we push the lines and we learn that information is going to get leaked. Oh, for sure. It's going to get out there. Yeah. And they're going to figure out how we're doing this Mm -hmm. because they have brilliant scientists as well. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was really, it was an arms race. Oh, always. Always. Race to space. A race to everything. Totally. Always in competition. Yes. Always. Who has the bigger bomb? (laughs) (laughs) Who's the bigger mushroom cloud? (laughs) Listeners, flies, are you still there? Are you hanging in there? Okay. We're going to have some red pin remarks. Oh, send them to uh, Jenny Hill at <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> oh, man. But overall, I thought it was a beautiful, historical. Mm. Complicated. Um, yes. Yeah. But not like. Like I said, like a boring history lesson. It was it was fascinating, and it made me want to go home and read things and research these people and research the the facts because you know you have artistic uh, pr- what's it called artistic I almost said privileges what's the Propriety? word variety no um I don't know I lost my words uh, okay <laughs> um you know like artistic uh, privilege uh, what's the thing. Like where you take it like a fact and you can blow it up and make it whatever you want. Freedom? Liberty? Artistic liberty? I don't know. <laughs> what did this sound like? Yeah. <laughs> we're having a hard time with words today. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the freaking atomic bomb. Right. <laughs> and I'm over here trying to type science phonetically and I'm spelling it in my brain science so I don't forget the silent C. Because why do we put a C after the S? Okay, science. Okay, so you add the C to make an H sound. Science. Science. There's no H. What What are you saying? H sound. <laughs> so, who's this science? So, I mean, well, what's the C for? Well, I'm going to look up the, um, okay, nerd. the root. Okay. Root word not an h <laughs> it's latin that's why oh skyer to know or C? sire sc oh i was like i was on to something skyer <laughs> science <laughs> that's how i learned to spell science and scissors skizzers otherwise i forget the c s c i e n c e well people this has been a great ted talk <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel more educated? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so um, we thumbs up Oppenheimer for yeah. sure. I think I would still take Karis to see it, and I would just warn her about those two booby scenes because I don't need my 16-year-old being body shamed or feeling that way. So yeah. um, I would say I loved it. You loved it? I loved it. I want to read this part to you. Okay. 
they show the bomb going off at the test site. Mm-hmm. They actually built a bomb that was real. Mm-hmm. That was not um, like computer. It, it was not um, CGI. Okay, as we have explained. Oh, in the movie, it was real. In the movie. So CGI, computer-generated imagery, um, you know, computer-generated illustrations, imagery. The bomb that went off, they built for the real, for the movie. That was real. They really watched it detonate. But not an atomic bomb. No. Okay. But (laughs) they really built a bomb. And the flashes of light and everything, that was real. They built a bomb big enough to create a mushroom Dang. cloud. And then they went in and layered it. It was not as big as it appeared right. in real life. But then they layered the way that they filmed it in all these frames. And then when they went in and post to edit, they they framed it frame on top of frame to make it larger. Mm. But... How incredible is that? Because Christopher Nolan does not like using CGI. Oh. Uh, unless he absolutely, it's a have to, have to. He wants there to be some real experience. Which is crazy thinking of the movies he has directed. I know. Like you would assume in all of those crazy movies, the. It's all CGI. Yeah. Yeah. No. How can you not? No. He well, is that building, is brilliant. He's, he builds sets, which might be why we all love his movies. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because we're so kind of desensitized to CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, you know, it has a place. It's place in, in film. But when he can, he is going to build it wow. in real life. And so, um, but we don't see the bombs being dropped on Hiroshima right. or Nagasaki. And that was purposeful. Because there are people's lives and deaths and torture related to that, mm-hmm. right? So we don't want to celebrate that. Right. And so <laughs> what, what we're trying to celebrate, if you can even call it that, in the test site is the accomplishment of science, right? These brilliant minds and then the terror of what they've just unleashed. Mm-hmm. And you see it immediately. Because once it the test works, it is literally stolen out of their hands. Oh, yeah. It is ripped out of their hands overnight. Mm-hmm. They and, don't even know that they're going to use it or not. Like they're no. not even privy to that information. No, and they're not sure where yeah. it's going to the bomb. They they were allowed to kind of help with some bomb sites, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit, but they did not know exactly where the bombs were even going to be dropped, or as Jenny said, if. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in 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 Oppenheimer's face that realization of oh, I just you just gave a bomb to the military now. Yeah. They, they get to do with it what they want. Like you have, this is it. Mm-hmm. It's been unleashed. To show the torment that was going on inside of Oppenheimer's mind, uh, Christopher Nolan added these effects where it would the camera would get really close in on Killian Murphy's face and you would just see his eyes like just look almost terrified like he was somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And and then his mind would go flashing to like the atomic particles, uh, the mushroom cloud. And then there was this woman, mm-hmm. a picture of this woman. And it was like the layers of her skin were rippling and coming off. Uh, the, the like the effects, effects. Mm-hmm. of... of the atomic bomb. The atomic mm-hmm. bomb. Is that radiation? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. the radiation that would cause their skin, the ones that lived, and their skin would just literally melt peel off. and melt off. It was horrific. Okay, and so listen to this fact. During a particularly haunting scene where Oppenheimer convenes with the people of Los Alamos to seemingly celebrate the bombs being dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, or Nagasaki he is struck 
with ghastly visions of people suffering the effects of the bomb in front of his eyes. One person in particular is a young woman shown facing Oppenheimer as pieces of her skin begin peeling off her face. This woman is Christopher Nolan's daughter, Flora Nolan. In an interview with The Telegraph, Nolan spoke about this casting choice, remarking that if you create the ultimate destructive power, it will also destroy those who are near and dear to you. I suppose this was my way of expressing that in the strongest possible terms. Mm. That is crazy. And like, if you're worried about seeing that, it's not like super gory. No, you can, it's not like going no, down no. to her flesh and bones and no. you see things like that. But it's literally like the, you know, you got seven layers of skin. So it's like the outer layers of skin kind of like flaking off, but it's not like super gory. Right. And I feel <laughs> like she was in like a sepia tone. Yes. Like it was not like blood or gore right, or no. ooh. Or like it was no color. No. It was colorless. Yes. Black and white maybe or sepia. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was very muted, but you were just like, oh. Yeah, that was Christopher Nolan's daughter. Aww. You have any more fun facts for us? There is a scene uh, at the end of the movie where Kitty Oppenheimer refuses to shake Edward Teller's hand. Uh, he was another scientist that mm-hmm. worked alongside Oppenheimer on the Manhattan Project. And when he was, Edward Teller was called in uh, for this mock trial that mm-hmm. they put Oppenheimer through, he, he did not, uh, in essence, get Oppenheimer's back. Yeah. Or sp- Hardly anybody did. Nobody I don't think did. anybody except Kitty. No, exactly. And, and Oppenheimer at one point even says, to basically kind of under his breath to his lawyer, is anyone going to tell the truth? Yeah, because the movie flashes back, but back and forth between this post-atomic bomb drop, um, mock trial, then it goes back to him being uh, a a younger scientist in school, and then to the Manhattan Project, kind of back and forth, back and forth throughout his life. But it's always back and forth between this trial and his work as a young man and as a scientist. That's right. And so what they're trying to nail him for being a communist, Mm -hmm. which none of the scientists would could really say that he was yeah he wasn't like none of their testimonies said absolutely yes but none of them actually said absolutely no right and then the guys that were putting him on trial basically because they couldn't get him there then they shamed him for like how many people he killed yes like he alone yeah uh and, and so it was just it was really it was gross and it, it was it, gross it wasn't a real trial it was it was just a it was a circus mm-hmm. just to uh, humiliate him. It was him. mutiny. It was. It was mutiny. And so Edward Teller, this other scientist, does not, you know, defend Oppenheimer. And so later, there's a later scene where Kitty, and it happened in real life, <gasps> Kitty Oppenheimer saw Edward Teller. And after his negative testimony at the Oppenheimer security hearing, uh, she would not shake his hand. And in real life, Teller cried because of Kitty's rejection. He should have cried. He should have cried. And it said that he regretted that, that whole thing, that he he genuinely, truly regretted, you know, his part in, in hurting Oppenheimer. So this is not a fun fact, but after the detonation of the bomb, 70,000 people died instantly in the nuclear blast, although it's calculated that the final number between 70,000 and 126,000 died, plus the injured and mutilated people who died over time because of radiation effects. So on Nagasaki, uh, the number is between 60 and 80,000 dead people, making the total number um, 
129,000 or 226,000. Dang. Like kind of total, just depends on which city you were looking at. So the effects were extremely... um, Devastating. Devastating, really devastating. There's a line in the movie where Harry S. Truman, he he's the president. Oppenheimer has been in his office and he's grappling with the guilt following the, the detonation of the bombs. And uh, and Harry Truman like hands him a tissue or a, a handkerchief. That really happened. But he did it mockingly to kind of make fun of him. Oppenheimer said the reason he was grappling and, and really struggling was because he had blood on his hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, reportedly after he said that, then um, Harry Truman said, well, damn it, I have twice as much on mine. And and then in the movie, as he's leaving uh, Harry Truman, President Truman's office, you hear Truman say, don't ever let don't you ever bring that crybaby back here ever again. And that's historically factual that he did say that. Not that Oppenheimer heard it, though, Mm -hmm. but that he did say that to staff. Uh, and I just wonder, though, like if it was his own guilt, right? Not wanting to stare in the face of the man who created this thing, yeah. Because ultimately, Truman's the one that detonated it, yeah. And so uh, Truman met that with a lot of hostility. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it was very mockingly, like all of it, like yeah, oh, yeah. add a baby, look what we did. Yes. And so I don't know historically if that attitude was accurate right. or if it was truly like a. I'm yeah. the president. I, I called for it. Like this, this is on me. That's right. But, and kind of like, well, damn it. Well, if you've got some blood, I've got twice as much, right. you like know, which kind of some bravado. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah which was it? Mm-hmm. How, how did that play out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, for him to call him a crybaby. Yeah. That kind of, I don't like that version. I don't Truman <laughs> I know. Dislike. I know. Yeah. Okay, so that about wraps it up for Oppenheimer, which we did love. We did love it. You should go see it. Uh, There were lots of times during the film that they would be saying, this periodic table symbol and that periodic table symbol. And Jenny would say, blah, 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 whatever, radiation, plasma. And I was like, what? Like she would know, like they would add periodic things together i don't even know the words and jenny would know what they were making and i was like are you a sorcerer like what is this because no, i taught myself chemistry jessica uh, <laughs> she is so smart i had to oh good grief oh man it was good and jessica was was came correct with all of her um people that she knew in the movie and what they played in so i was equally just mind blown because i'm like how do you I watch a lot of TV. Don't be jealous. So see, both minds came together and we enjoyed it. It was really good. It it was definitely don't take your kids to that. They'd just be bored to death. It's three hours. It's long. And Jenny talking about taking her 16 and a half year old Karis. Karis is a science brain. If you don't Mm -hmm. have a kid who cares a lick about anything like that or history, then they're probably not. No, don't take them. But I I think Karis is the type of personality. Yeah. I think she would actually probably enjoy it. Well, Coach Hill got her just just expanded her love for history last year. So she is love. So yeah, uh, Coach Hill definitely expanded Karis's love for history this last year, and so with her love for science and and history, she loved it. So she was she'll definitely be. Uh, I'll definitely take her to see it. Just tell her to close her eyes a couple times. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, 
you guys, that's our conversation on yeah. this topic. And so we highly recommend you go see both the Barbie and the Oppenheimer movies and then give us your feedback. We want to know what you think. I want to know how many of you can spell science without having to say science. <laughs> um, and, you know, and let us know what you think because uh, we, we love y'all's feedback. Always. Okay. So thanks for joining us for Barbenheimer. Yeah. Jenny, do you have any like kind of things that make you hmm thoughts as we wrap up? Well, uh, so last week when I talked about the shoe in the road, Gaga <laughs> texts and goes, wait a second. Did I close my eyes for a second during Barbie? Where was the shoe? <laughs> it's like, well, mom, no, it wasn't actually part of Barbie. It was just my own weird brain that there's always some random shoe in the road or in a parking lot or along the highway or something. And she was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we had other people that trekked right along, knew exactly what you were talking about. And were like, I think about the shoe too. Always. So yes. weird. So weird. Yes. Um, also, little shout out, also calling her out, our friend, Pastor Kelby. She went with a group of girlfriends. We have a couple of friends. Jenny has these great group of friends. I want to be friends with y'all. Um, <laughs> and um, do you like me circle wire in? And um, they ha- they did like a Barbie mom's night, like mm-hmm. a, a bunch of moms. They just invited all these women together and they met up before, I think, ate and had drinks. And then they went to see Barbie together mm-hmm. and they dressed up like different iterations of Barbie. Well, Pastor Kelby, she went as whatever sleepover Barbie. Yeah. She took her pillow and she wore these cute pink pajamas and had the, ha- the eye mask. <laughs> she took her pillow. And so we were texting about the movie and she said, well, like confession, I fell asleep during the movie. <laughs> She's like total mom move. <laughs> yes. So she also, also has a baby. Yes. <laughs> and twins. <laughs> yes. But just permission slip that if you need to go see Oppenheimer and take a good three yes. hour nap, yep. just do it. Just mm-hmm. go with your bestie or your your hubby or your whoever and just enjoy. That's right. <laughs> enjoy some movie snacks or a nap, whatever you need to do to refuel your heart. Uh, my thought about Oppenheimer, though, kind of my things that make you go, hmm, is um, sometimes you build something in your life and you feel really excited, invigorated, called to it. And then you realize later you built something that has the potential to be really destructive. Mm -hmm. And just a call to everybody who's lived life for any amount of time. We've all done that. Mm -hmm. We've all built into things, systems, ideologies, whatever, that at some point, sometimes we go, "Uh uh-oh, that doesn't work anymore. And that Jenny and I joked last week about pivot, uh, (laughs) like we had to pivot our episode because, you know, life didn't, you know, pan out, pan out how we thought it was going to. And so we had to pivot the episode and go in a new direction. But I just want to say that if you have built something that you feel like, oh, I did not build that correctly. It is okay to pivot and rebuild. It is okay to, uh, to kind of tear some things down and to, and to build something new. Uh, it's not okay to tear it down and stop building. Right. It's, but it's okay to build something new in place of something old. And it's definitely okay to ask forgiveness from the Lord. And sometimes when you've built things that have caused destruction, it affects people around you. It is definitely necessary to go and ask forgiveness from other people mm-hmm. who your destructive thing uh, affected. So, and there's going to be grace in that. Uh, most people, most, not in every scenario, most people aren't going to be angry at you for coming. There are some c- scenarios where they are going to be yeah. angry. Uh, and sometimes you just need to take it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You need to take what they um, feel and, and, and learn and grow from that too. But it's okay to build something new. Yeah. And that, that's my thing with Oppenheimer. I love it. And I just remembered the phrase that I couldn't think of earlier. What? Artistic liberty. Artistic <laughs> liberty. <laughs> I knew it would come to me. <laughs> That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for sharing your time with us. You can follow us on Instagram at jenandjuice.ig and on Facebook at jenandjuice. And I'm Jenny. You can follow me on Instagram at jennyhill.ig. That's Jenny with the J and an I. And I'm Juice, a.k.a. Jessica. You can follow me on Instagram at jessicaphillips.ig. We can't wait to meet you here again next week as we continue these conversations where, as always, we're here to help a sister... And brother, out.